Ah, thank you. Welcome to Radiant 17. Tonight we're going to be going to dig into, um, I believe just it's pertinent in this day and age that we live in, um, that there's this faith, faith. The Bible says now the, now, now the just shall live by faith. Now the just shall live by faith. You know, it's just not, the. Uh, the other's famous scripture about faith is, you know, you know, we walk before we walk by before we walk by faith, not by sight. But this one here, now the just shall live by faith. And I believe it, it, it almost alludes to, OK, after all this has been done, now the just has got to live by faith. Now the just has got to live by faith. And and what do I mean? Everybody's been given a measure of faith. According to uh, Romans, um, the book of Romans, it says that everybody's been given a measure of faith. So no one says you don't have faith. And the fact that, you know, we've been taught, oh, let's pray for faith. Let's pray for more faith. No, you already got faith. God is giving you a measure. And the way you build that measure up is by praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit causes that faith to grow, causes that that faith to be stirred up to to increase your capacity another way that faith grows is through um hearing of god's word but the just has got to live by faith and your faith that you have you got to use and some say well you know i don't have faith and i'm like no you do because if you believe in the negative and the negative is manifesting in your life it's only manifesting in your life because there is a there there is a belief that that's greater because the truth is what's in you is greater and i think that's the challenge of the human um versus the the uh, the word of god is us actually believing that what god's word says true we everybody on the face of this earth that has ever called jesus lord and savior has struggled with faith. We find even then that in biblical times, they have struggled with faith before they it woke up, the switch went on and you realize, um, wait, this is true. I do believe, I do believe, I do believe in him. I do believe in what his word says. I do believe. And yes, you could say yes. I could, you can make the argument that yes, things in our life just seem more real than the word. All you have is the word, but do you have this active thing in your face, at your face? But again, I tell you, if it's active in your face, doesn't mean it's greater than God's word. The enemy is not gonna just come up timidly and say, oh, excuse me, is today the day to get on your nerves? Or this is the day to scare you? Is this, am I doing this too much or should I turn that down? The Bible says that the weapon, the warfare that we're dealing with is not carnal at all. It is, it is spiritual. It is a spiritual thing and the person on the other side that does not believe in you or doesn't want you to believe in you, believes the worst of you, believes that you can't be trusted. How do I know? He tells God that in the beginning in the book of Job, when the Bible, the Lord calls an assembly and the Satan shows up and he says, the Lord asked him, where you been? Oh, I've been here and there. See, you know, just looking around. And he says, well, have you considered my, my servant Job? And he says, uh, uh, man, that dude just believing you. He just worshiping you because you've given him stuff. If you remove that hedge, I'll get him to curse you. The devil believes that you 
don't believe in God and that if God took your stuff away, he was allowed to take your stuff away, you wouldn't believe in God anymore. So what he's saying is that our level of faith is that of the demons, is that it's only because God is taking care of us. He's doing something for us that we wouldn't, we don't believe in God at all. We don't believe in who he is. We don't believe in the power that he possessed. We just believe because he's looking out for us. That's what he said about Job. And Job's no other, no, no, there's no respect to a person. Job is just a human, just like you and I. He could say the same about you. He can make the case about you and say, oh, Chelsea doesn't really believe. She's only believing because you're taking care of her. You're looking out for her. Lisa's only loving on you because you, you're, you're there. You're there to give her all the, the glamorous things that she wants. But if, I, if you give me the opportunity to take all those things away, I'll show you they don't believe. I'll show you they'll curse you and die. That's what the devil thinks of you. He thinks that way of you. And he doesn't turn it down at all. He turned, he is turned up always, always, always. And then we have our life situations because the devil is not everywhere. He is not all, he's not all knowing, he's not all present, ever present like God is. He roams to and fro. God, you don't hear ever. You never hear the Bible describing God as one who roams to and fro. He doesn't roam. He's everywhere. He's with us in this moment right now. He's with some others across the world and all different. God is everywhere. But the devil has to roam to and fro. Yes, he's got the fallen ones, but yes, he's rolling to and fro. He's not everywhere. So then there's the fallenness of this world, life situations that happen in our lives that present itself. And then you got man people and the just in the midst of all those things the just is still got to live by faith the just has got to come to the realization that my god is greater than the demons my god is greater than this fallen world matter of fact this world is becoming the uh the world the kingdom of god according to scripture and that my God is bigger than the, that my God is bigger than the devil, but God is bigger than flesh. Even though flesh presents itself and flesh is before us and we can see flesh, my God is still bigger than that. And that's what we're challenged with every time. We're challenged with in our everyday walk of life is what do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe? Amen. Does that sound right? Does that sound right to everybody on here? Yes, I hope so. Because we're all faced with that. We have to make a decision every day to believe. From moment to moment, from situation to situation, we have to make a, a decision to believe whether what is written is really true or it's not. The Bible, you know, a friend of mine used to say this, no minister friend of mine used to say, he's either he's God or he's not. And that's what Elijah said, the prophet. He says, if God be God, then serve him. But if God don't, if, if Baal is God, then go serve him. What was Elijah saying? He was saying to the people, you need to be convinced. You can't be God, Yahweh is Yahweh, because he's given me everything I want. And then when I don't get what I want, then Yahweh is not God anymore. Then you're willing to sell Yahweh away for somebody else that will give you what you want. Then the problem isn't just your faith in God. Your problem is that you are entitled and you think you deserve everything has to do with your heart posture. It seems that you want things more than God 
or that if God is going to be God and I'm going to enthrone him as God, then it has to be that he gives me, he gives me all the promotions. He gives me all, he gives me, he meets all my needs. He does all these things here. God's promises are, are, are yes and amen. They are never going to fail. They're never going to fail. So God is never on trial about whether he is faithful to his word or whether he can or not. Just look at the hall of faith. Even for the one that did not believe she was going to conceive a child in the end had to say, you know what? He gave me the strength to conceive a child and I esteem him faithful to his word. Because even though he kept believing and saying she was going to do that, she did not believe. And some of us have been in that space from time to time, or even in this moment right now, that you're struggling with believing that what God said is going to happen because of what is in front of you, or what you are facing, or what you are dealing with, or even what you won't let go. Because sometimes it ain't the thing, it ain't, it ain't the thing that's got you, you got it. You say, what do I mean by that? Well, when you've done life with the thing that you need to let go of for so long, you're so used to it. If To let it go and to step into the uncertainty would just be weird. I don't know how to live apart from being broken or being oppressed or being tormented. Even though I want this to go, I'm struggling with letting it go because, and it's not that you're holding on to the spirits, you're holding on to the things that give those tormenting spirits the right to come into your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so now, more than ever, you that are the just, every one of you on here and even those that are going to listen, you are the just and the just has to make a decision that God's word is true and I'm going to live by that. I'm going to embrace that. I'm not going to look at the frailty of my body. I'm not going to look at my own inability. I'm not going to look at what I could not do in my own strength for. It's not by power nor by the spirit, but it's by the spirit of the Lord. It's by God's Holy Spirit that you're going to be able to do. It's the grace of God. And that grace of God is not a license to sin. Grace of God is favor, but it is also God's ability to give you the ability to do what you couldn't do in your own strength. And then it moves like favor, surrounds you like a fortress, goes before you each day to prepare the way, touching the hearts of men and women and opening doors that no man can close. Amen? That's what grace is. And we have this grace that is fresh for us every day. Grace is grace and mercy, the Bible says, is fresh every day. It is at your bedside when you wake up. It is there waiting for you to wake up. It is anticipating that you're going to wake up. And the moment you wake up, grace and mercy is there to greet you, there to aid you, there to give you what you need for the day. The Bible says, as your strength is, so shall your, as your day is, so shall your strength be. Meaning the strength that you will possess every day will be greater than the thing that you will face. Because why? The Bible says where grace abound, Romans says this, where grace abound, where, where sin abound, excuse me, grace do much more abound. So where sin, world situations, uh, mistakes that we make, you name it, 
etc., 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 and that all abounding your day. The Bible says that the grace of God abounds greater. It's almost like playing rock, paper, and scissors, and that your stuff that you would face is a rock, and the grace of God is paper, and it just it's greater. It's always going to be greater, whether you believe it or not. It's always going to be greater. Whatever God has given us, he says, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And if he's given us everything, then everything is there at our access. And it works. Well, you might say, well, why isn't it working in my life? Well, because it's not automatic. Because Hebrews eleven six 6 says, for without faith, it is impossible to please him or to walk with him, but that you first must believe that he is. Well, what do you mean he is? Everything he says he is. Every name that is his name from Genesis to Revelation, if you believe that he is all those things, you can walk with him. Your faith, whether it's small or great, Long as you using the measure of faith that God is giving you to walk with him, you will see those things that he said come to life in your life. I'm laying some groundwork here. So we have to make up in our minds in this moment that I'm going to believe, that I'm going to believe. And you can, you can do that crying. You can do that, you know, you've got to make a decision to believe. Why? Because what God has promised is mixed with faith, is activated by faith. You've got to believe in who he is to receive something from him. Because everything he does is who he is. So you might say, well, I'm claiming the scripture that God, uh, that he that He protects those, those that fear him, he will surround them and protect them and deliver them. So you're saying that you believe God is a protector. You believe God is a deliverer. Well, you that scripture can't be pertinent in your life if you don't believe that to be true. Meaning, I can't believe that in my head. I got to believe it here. I got to believe it in my heart. Head knowledge is just, I, I know what the scripture says that God said he would do. But heart posture says everything. Now you say, well, how can I make that possible? How do I, you know, shift it from here to here? The true test of when you believe that to be true is usually during your circumstances. When things are going good, everybody believes God. Seriously, everybody believes God when it's good. Because why? There's nothing there challenging you otherwise. So if everything's going great and you proclaim, I believe the Lord, I believe God, I thank you, Lord, for all this here. I thank you here. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. It doesn't say that things don't happen in your life just because you believe God or not. 
But just we're just taking for instance that everything's going great and you're just, oh, I believe the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, that everything's going well in my job. Thank you, well, Lord, that everything's going well in my home. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. And you're just thanking, thanking, thanking God for all these things. And all those things that God is doing is who he is and who he is is what he does. And then all of a sudden, something comes up and you hear about a family member that's got stage four cancer. Because here's the thing, the fallen world we live in and the enemy, they don't care. Oh, well, let me just, whoop, let me show that. Let me just see what you really believe. Does, it, does Job really have faith in you? Does Job really believe that you are good? This ain't, I haven't even got to my message yet, but I'm on this for a minute. We just, bear with me. Do you, re, does he, do you really believe he's good, Lord? Hmm. Well, let's just see. I want to see if Job's testimony is true. And so you're presented with somebody in your family, stage four cancer. And all of a sudden, and there's somebody that's very close to you, not somebody distant, somebody very close to you, because things that tend to have an impact or want to test what you believe will come in close proximity. Because things that are at a, at a distance from you won't really shake your world because it's, it's far removed. It's far enough away where I feel bad, but nothing's shaking here. But when it comes into your sphere of influence, when it comes into close proximity in your world, that's where the enemy's target is. He's going after that which he knows that will shake you. But he tells God, he said, if you let me go after the things that he has, I'll get him to curse you. All those things that the Lord, all those things that, that when God lifted the heads and let the devil go, and he said, you can, do every, you can do all those things, but not touch his body. Everything the devil went after was in close proximity. His, his ability to make money, his, uh, his ability, uh, his kids, his livelihood, took everything, everything in close proximity. Even his wife, he didn't take his wife, but what did his wife do? Tell him, go die and curse God. Curse God and die because you did something wrong when that was not the case. So he was married to a woman that had no discernment. She was spiritually dead. And it only took a circumstance to show you where this woman was. If you go back and read the story of Job, the Bible tells you Job was a man that was offering up offerings daily to the Lord because he knew that his kids were bad. Would you guys go back and read that? In Job chapter one, you read it, his kids were bad. They were always partying. And Job was always offering up offerings to the Lord for them. Job was righteous, offering up offerings for his family. Why? Because he feared that the judgment of the Lord would catch up with them. I kept feeling fear as I was praying earlier and praying during the service. And I'll tell you, fear attracts the thing that you don't want to have wreak havoc in your life. If you stay in fear of it, it draws it in. 
it draws it in. It's almost like, here I am, come get me. That's what fear. And the Bible says the thing that Job greatly feared was that the kids would be judged by God. And you got to find and You say, well, I'm wrestling with this fear. Well, you got to find out why the fear is there. The fear is the fruit of something that let it in. So something let it in in order for fear to be there. Because if it wasn't let in, fear can't come in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We live in a different time and a different day. Where you have open doors, they have access. Where there's no open doors, there is no access. Why? Because Christ Jesus took death and hell, the keys away from the enemy, where he was lordshipping over all of mankind, when the keys were taken, there was no more lordship. He now needs to be let in. I'll give you a better visual. Have you guys ever seen vampire movies? I'm quite sure you have. In a vampire movie, a vampire can't come in a house unless he's welcomed. To help you understand what I just explained to you about how Jesus took the keys, Death and hell took the authority away from him. And now where he had lordship and free reign, where he could just come through, he didn't have to be let in. He can just come through. That was taken away from him. Now the Bible says, give no, give no place to the enemy. Why? Because if you give place to him, he has access now to come in. You're giving him back what was taken away from him. And so like in vampire movies, the vampire was standing at the door. And if he wasn't welcome in, he could not come in until what? He was welcomed. Same thing in the beginning in the Bible. And it's funny, it's scripture, what the Lord tells Cain. Cain, if you stay angry, if you stay in this bad state that you're in where your heart posture is, that thing that is at the door, that is waiting to come in, if it comes in, you will be subservient to it and it will have lordship over you. It will rule over you. He was telling him that spirit of murder, death, kill, steal, destroy was at the door. And if Cain stayed angry in that space because he felt he was rejected by God, he was not rejected by God, Cain was disobedient. But if he stayed in that space, it was going to come. And he did, he stayed in that space and that thing came through the door and took him. And then what? He took his brother's life. And then he basically lived damned for the rest of his life because of what he did. So what you let in can really come in and destroy your life. Because it's not coming saying again, hey, is this okay? Um, can I tone this down a little bit? Can I be really gentle with you? I know it sounds I'm being facetious a little bit, but I'm being honest with you. That thing don't come in asking permission, can I do this and that? It's looking for you to open the door. And the agenda, and the agenda always have been, is to kill, steal, and destroy is what it wants. So our faith has to be, has to be, our faith has to be in God's ability to do what he says he would do, to do what he says he would promise. Because if we don't believe and we don't implement it in our everyday life, and you say, well, how can I do that, Marvin? Well, in the face of 
uncertainty or problems that come up. What will you do? Will you believe or will you not believe? Now, when things happen, yes, we get shook up by them. It's natural. But the thing is, the most important thing is what is your default? The thing that you default to is what you, what, how you're going to react or respond to the thing. Everybody has a default. Is the Lord your default or is something else your default? And that is always determined by circumstances. So you look at the story of Job. Everything was taken. Everything was gone. And Job still had a good attitude. And the devil's like, nah, see, see, I told you I'm going to get him to do it. Let me, let me have, let me have his skin. And the Lord said, okay, I'll let you have his skin. Because God had confidence that Job could handle this situation. Because some of you would say, man, the Lord said he would not give me more than I can bear. You're right. The scripture says that. But you're telling the one who wrote the scripture his word as though he doesn't know. It's you that don't know what you can actually bear. He does. And that if you read scripture and truly believe what you're reading, you'll understand in Psalms 139 that everything in your life, the days that you have numbered on this earth have been fashioned according to you. If I was to assume your life, I couldn't handle what God laid up for you. And you say, well, how's that possible? You're, you're, you're a man of God and, and I'm just a regular person. Doesn't matter because your life and your days have been fashioned according to you. In other words, what God is saying, how David got the revelation was that everything that I'm going to face in this life, I can overcome and I will overcome through the power of God. But on this side of glory, you don't know that. And as God is redeeming you and bringing you into what you know or what you should know, he's helping you understand that you are far greater than you see yourself. Because when we get God on this side of glory, we get him after we've been raised by our parents, why we've been through circumstances and situations, why we've been birthed into, um, some of us have been birthed by rape, some of us have been birthed by bad things, thing, that, th all kinds of situations that have contributed to who we are. And then we find Jesus. And then he takes us on a journey to help us to remember what he had fore foretold us when we was with him on this side of glory before we were ever here that you are going to come to the earth this is the reason why you're here and this is why you got to find god on this side of glory because it is only then when you'll find out who you truly are what you were truly meant for and yes you are born in the circumstances that you are burning in. but look at jesus jesus wasn't born in no, no rosy situation he was born to a woman a young girl who was pregnant who would live with the stigma of being a what? An illegitimate uh, child. Because everybody knew that what? Jo that wasn't Joseph's baby. And Joseph would have walked away. He was an honorable man. He, would, he was going to put her away privately. And then God spoke to him, told him, oh, no, this thing is of me. Go ahead and marry. It's okay. But everybody else in the community was whispering, "Hi, did you hear about Mary? Did you hear about her? She, she, she got she, she with child. She been messing around." 
people snickering and whispering behind. And she having to live with that. Jesus wasn't, when he came in, he wasn't poor. He wasn't rich. He was poor. Where was he born? He didn't even have a palace. He didn't have a house. Where was he born? He was born in a stable. Let me tell you where that is. In, in Israel, it was a cave that was for animals. He was born out in the manger, out in, out in the cave. Does that sound like us? It sure does. Because a lot of us here have not been born in the best situations. Whether it's been emotional, whether it's been actual, you know, the external things around us, whatever it is, none of us have born. And all of us, if I took a consensus right now and asked each and every one of you, how was your, you, you, would, you could tell me stories. But all that to say that that was just how you got here, but that had no bearing on who God determined for you to be. But this has got to be embraced by faith. And that's why he apprehends you. That's why he goes after you to bring you into the know about who you are. And I believe your, your lack of faith is a lack of identity. It's connected to identity. Here's why. The Bible says that when two children grow up, a servant child and a, and a, and a child that is born to a king, you know, that's born to be destined to be a king, when they grow up, when they're growing up as little people, they just feel they're just little kids playing. It is only when they get to those years where they're being uh, formative years, where they're being told, where the servant child knows, oh, I was born to a servant mom and dad who are servants, so that makes me a servant. And I was born to uh, my dad's a king. Oh, now I'm a king. Till then, they didn't know anything. They were just playing with one another, having a good old time until why the kids got to a certain age. And now I have to tell Junior who he is. I got to begin to train him. I got to begin to teach him. I got to begin to show him who he is so he can therefore walk the way I have called him to walk to represent the kingdom well. And that's what your father is doing. When you, the day you got saved was not only the beginning of, of eternity for you, but it was the beginning of your father coming in and having hands on to raise you, to show you who you are. And so this journey that you're on isn't something that happened instantly. It is a, prog it is a progress that, that happens. And the more you walk with him, the more he reveals and he shows you who you are. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? Just like you was when you were with your, with, with your, your situation, your parents, or whether they were broken or not broken, whatever case is, they gave you what they, what they only, they gave you what they had. I know that to be true when, the, when I came to the Lord, the Lord showed me my parents. My parents didn't have the capacity to be the parents that I needed them to be. And therefore I judged them for it. I judged them for that. And I was judging them wrong. And, and because of they didn't live up to my expectation, I resented them and I hated them. Then the Lord began to move my, the, uh, the expectation off my eyes, my, that false expectation. He says, I want you to look and let, I'm going to show you who they are. My mom is a 16-year-old uh, a girl who had me. 
my dad was a six was a was a was a, a man who you know uh was here and was not here my stepfather stepped in and he did the best he could he ran away from home at 16 and he learned to live like a hustler on the streets and do all that kind of stuff do you get what i'm saying i didn't choose to be born into that but this is how it happened and so as i'm getting older and we're i'm born in dysfunction and it's all kind of stuff that's going on i'm here in this place right now and i'm walking with the lord and the lord says you got to forgive them you got to let that go because it wasn't their fault either they were born into situations and just so happen people make decisions and things happen, but you cannot accuse them. You cannot hold that against them. And even the wrong that they did do, you still gotta forgive them because you gotta remember all that is coming from their brokenness. And it's not to give their brokenness a pass. It's not to give your brokenness a pass. It's just God sees things and sees where th stuff comes from and understands and determines whether this is from a wicked place or whether this is from a place of brokenness. You and I can't determine it unless he opens our eyes. We see a person and look at it and say, how dare you treat me like this? How dare you doing this from a wicked place? And, and God's like, no, no, I'm, no, they're not. And I've, and I've been in that space with the Lord because I've, I've argued with the Lord about that when he said, this person is done. No, they're not. They're, did you see how they treated me? As though God can't see. As though God don't know the hearts. I'm talking to him like I'm talking to another person because I refuse to accept the person uh, that he says it wasn't coming from a bad place. I refuse to receive that. Why? Because I'm the recipient of what they did bad to me. So from my end, it looks bad. So it must be coming from bad. And God is saying no. Nah. Because he understood that there was that the fruit of what was going to come out is that I was going to resent that person. I was going to hate that person. And he's trying to show me, just like you, that individual is broken. He's just broken in a different way. And I would argue God back and forth because I couldn't embrace it, because I couldn't wrap my head around what he was seeing, what he knew. All I could see is what was happening to me, what had been done to me. And so God took the, on a journey to remove that out of the way and said, look, take a look at your parents. What you thought was happening to them happened to them first. And so what has happened to them has now happened to you. So there's this generational thing that's happening to you. And I need you need to see this so that you can forgive them and then stand on your bloodline's behalf and fight for their freedom. Because I can't fight for their freedom if I don't see, see them the way God sees them and even see the error of my ways or where my heart is towards them. Because we can't say I love God with all my heart, mind, and soul and strength, but I hate my parents or I hate the people that have wronged me. The Bible says the tr the, 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 you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We got to allow God to show us because just like he met them at the doorstep of their heart, he's there to meet you at the doorstep of your heart. To what? Bring you higher. To bring you to a better place, to bring you to a better place in him, amen? And so it is in circumstances that come 
to challenge and see what you believe because now we become believers and we're walking with the Lord and God has done a few things and we're thanking God for those things and we're walking and the devil's like, hmm, I want to see, do you truly believe or will you revert back to who you used to be? Will you think of God, you get what I'm saying? And then stuff happens. God is not absent, but these things are happening to prove you. What will you do? Because faith is not really faith until you have to use it. Because if everything is going great, it doesn't require no faith. It's just going good. Amen? So if, if my faith is going to be utilized, and I even take it, I'll move from this space here of this, the stuff. What if God is calling you to build something? He says, I want you to start a business. You're supposed to start a business. And you say, and the first thing that comes out of everybody's mouth is what? Well, where am I going to get the money? As though money is the way, is the only way that this business can come alive. You're talking to the one who brought things into existence by the spoken word. He who is faith spoke the worlds into existence. And you say, well, I'm not God. So you, it's unfair to, to compare me to him. And then I'm here to tell you, well, the Bible says you are made in the image and likeness of God and given the capacity just like him to speak to things. So if you don't believe, it's because you don't know who you are and you're struggling with what you believe because it goes back to not understanding your identity in him. Because if a servant child realizes at some point that my mom and dad work for the king, they're servants, and therefore I'm, burn, I'm born into this, then I'm a servant too. So my friend who was born in the kingdom as a prince we can't be friends no more like that. Why? Or I can't hang out in the spaces he's hanging out in because why? There has been a separation that has come. He's got to take his place and I have to take my place. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so now he's got to be trained to walk like a prince, to walk one day like a future king. Yes, he's a prince because he's a son of a king, but he's being trained to one day take the crown. And so therefore, God is going to, the king, everybody's going to raise him, everybody's going to show him how he is to act, how he is to conduct himself, how he is to walk. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Everything above, everything that is in this kingdom is beneath you, you are above. He's, he's learning to walk this way. And the more he is told this, the more he is affirmed, the more God affirms him and affirms him and uh, or the king, the kings and all his subjects and all his teachers and all his tutors are affirming him in this thing here, making this thing to be possible in this person. He goes on a process to learn this so that what? The moment he understands 
And this mindset of just being the regular Joe, like my friend Sammy, who was who I used to play with, when that's done away with, it's done, it's all gone away. And I truly believe I am Mark. I am Michael, the son of a king, and I'm going to be king one day. Then he can then begin to move and breathe in faith because he understands I have this authority to rule. This authority that has been given by God, it has been given, God, God has ordained kings, God has ordained presidents, God has ordained that stuff that's all in the word. But all this authority has been given by his father, so now he's able to adjudicate over things because he's been trained. Now, I'm gonna give you a little task, little junior, to see do you truly believe who you are? Because if you believe in who you are, then you have no problem ruling and reigning. Does that make sense? And that's what God does. He takes us on a journey through sanctification to teach you and I who we are. That's why he says in 1 John, he was remind, John was reminding the, the, the Ephesus, the church, saying, little children, remember you are of me for I am love. He was saying to the Ephesus, to the Greeks, hey, don't think you evolved by yourself. Don't think that you made yourself be here. Understand your origin. Understand where you come from. Understand what has laid hold to you and apprehended you to bring you into the fullness so that you don't walk the way you used to walk, wise in your own eyes, but that you walk wise in the eyes of God because you truly have embraced who you are. And all this is possible to him that believe. And that's why God takes you on a journey to build you up, affirm you, teach you and show you who you are so that you can believe in what he has given you as a son or a daughter or as the bride. And that you know, because you believe he's giving you this now, I believe I can achieve this. I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. I can do that because I know from grassroots, from the very foundation, I am his son and I've been given the things that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords possess lives in me. And all I have to do is stand and believe and he will direct my steps. He will open the doors. He will make the ways as we do this together. And so our lack of faith is tied to our lack of identity. That's why you must believe that he is. Because to believe what he, who he is, you can't even, even deal with the part of him being the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How can you believe he's a rewarder if you can't even believe he, he is the rewarder? Or that he would give you uh, uh, stuff because you sought you saw him or that your labor and love is not in vain. How could you believe any of that? And so that, I think that's why we struggle with believing in God, with believing this, what the scripture says. We all believe in God, but then what God says, we tend to believe certain things and not everything. When in this day and age, the just has got to live by faith and your faith has got to be 
concrete on who God is, period. That's everybody. That's all of us. Everybody who has been born of God has to deal with this. Has people taken the shortcuts? Yes, people are taking shortcuts. People are taking shortcuts. People have taken outs and gone the fast way. But guess what? What you didn't develop, what didn't get affirmed by him, guess what happens? Then when you get to that place and you're on a platform and you're doing your thing and you're, you're thriving, that area you didn't allow God to affirm in you is what? It's going to be an access point for the enemy to come after and he'll be looking like, hmm, look at her. She thinks she, she, thinks she a prophet. I see it. You let me have that area right there. I'll show you. She she she'll she she she'll 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 run away from everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What we are dealing with doesn't play fair. It's looking to go after you. Because it does not want you to be what God intended for you to be. But then you have to know through the affirmation of God that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That if God be for me, who can be against me? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Who am I supposed to be afraid of? That, that he will fight against those that fight against me. He is my shield and buckler. He is my strong tower. His favor surrounds me like a fortress. Do you truly believe those things? Because that will be the difference of that thing having access to you and you getting through this. Because even if you're weak in an area, the Bible says, let the weak say what? I am strong. How are we strong? We are strong because of the grace of God that is on our life. And we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't depend on ourselves. We don't look to ourselves. We have submitted everything unto him. And because we have submitted everything unto him, he that we have committed ourselves to is more than able to keep us. And if that be true and you believe in the keeping power of God, then who that is looking at you can't do nothing to you. So I believe that things have access because there's a lack of faith and therefore a lack of identity. Because faith is what? According to Ephesians, let's read what faith is. We haven't read a scripture yet. I've quoted scriptures, but we haven't read it from the Bible. And so I'm, I'm gonna read this one here in Ephesians here real quick. It says here in Ephesians chapter six, let's see where it reads. It says here, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against the spiritual weakness of high places. Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil days and having done all to stand. So you need the armor of God to withstand the evil days, okay? Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth. That's the word having on the breastplate of righteousness, who is Christ Jesus, your feet shot, shot with the, uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace, who is Jesus. Above all, 
Taking your what? Your shield of faith. That you, that, that you're able to quench the fiery darks of the enemy. If I believe that which, if I believe that my life is kept by the Lord, that which I've committed to him, he's going to keep it. Then when the enemy attacks me and tries to get me to believe that my life is in peril and no one, no one's there to save me, my faith in God that says, I believe that that which I've committed unto you, even every part of my life, you were able to keep. When that hits my shield of faith, it's going to bounce off. It's not going to penetrate. It's not going to break through because I believe the counter to that. I believe that my life is in God's hands and he's more than able to keep it. He believes he can come in and exploit that area that is weak. But what he fails to understand is that that area is weak is already committed to the hands of the Lord. So even when I'm weak, the weak I could say I'm strong and that reinforces my shield of faith because it reinforces my faith in God and who he says he's going to be. When you believe in what God is saying, it strengthens your shield of faith. It strengthens your helmet of salvation. It strengthens every, every part of your armor is based on and always will be faith. How can you spread the gospel? How can your feet be shared with the gospel people and spread the gospel if you don't believe in what you're saying? How can you wage the sword, the spirit, unless you believe that as I use the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, that it will beat back the hands of the enemy? So we go back to us, the just, having to make a decision to take the faith that is in us, the measure of faith that God has given us, and say, I'm going to align it with your word. And I'm not going to align it with your word just because it's good. Because your word is good without whether I believe it or not, but I'm aligning with your word because I know that if I align myself with you, you are going to meet, you're going to make good on what you said. And you're going to affirm. You're going to strengthen me. You're going to cause my faith to grow. And you're going to show me that you can do what I'm believing for you to do. A lot of the torment and a lot of the stuff is, you know, it's, it's, it's our lack of believing that God is God. Because here's the thing. The enemy's out here and he's got a time to be here. The witchcraft and all that stuff has got to, it's all here. It is. But we're the greater, according to scripture, according to what God has said, according to what the word has spoken about you and I, because of where we come from, because of what we've been born into, we are the greater. So because we are the greater, we have been given this authority to rule. We have a right to rule. Do you believe in that? 
Because if you don't believe in that, then your power to execute won't doesn't mean anything because your power is all what happening according to what the, the what what is that let's go to ephesians reason 320 says this says this i'm gonna read this here reasons ephesians 320 says here we'll start at verse 17 it says here in, in chapter 3 verse 17 yes yeah, it's christ that christ would dwell in you in your hearts by faith that christ would dwell in you by faith so when you ask jesus in your heart you did it by faith if you didn't nothing happened but if you did, you saw, you knew there was something that took place in shape and form. That's key. Being rooted and grounded in his love. So you went on a journey to get to know him and you're still, we're still getting to know him. We're never going to exhaust that, but we're going on a journey to be rooted and grounded in his love. Why? Because he is love and you are love and you come from him. Let's keep going. It says, may and may be able to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the width the height of God's love. To know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge that she might be full with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The power that worketh in us, That's that power is that believing power. That believing power. That believing power. Do you do you believe? We we have to believe. We have to make up our minds to believe God. And if you truly be God, He'll step in and help. The Bible says, if you seek Him, you'll find Him. You seek Him with your whole heart, you'll find Him. So if you believe with your heart, then what He says will manifest. What He says will be realized. And the question is, what do you believe? Do you believe the witch? Do you believe witchcraft is greater? Do you believe um, Do you believe uh, the, the oppression that you're receiving from your family or in your jobs? Do you believe that's greater? Because it, it's all based on what you believe. People can pray for you. I'm, and I'm being real with you. People can pray for you. But at the end of the day, that prayer made you feel good, but it did not shift. It does not make you believe. You have to make a decision. That's real. Faith is a decision that you need to make. Faith is not automatic. Faith is a decision that you and I make. Now, it does help that when we have some things that have happened, in our lives to, that God proves himself to be who he is, that yes, okay, well then, yeah, I can faith in you because you have proven to be this. But the bad part is if you're still in unbelief after God has done many things, then the problem is not God living up to his word. It's you believe, it's your faith. It's your lack of faith. And I say lack of faith because you have faith, but you got faith, you have not, you have not taken what God has done in an in a, in account and put it in a faith account and says, you know what? God's word, God said he could do this and he did. God said he can do this and he did that. God said he can do this and he did this. The Bible says that in, 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 uh, in Hebrews chapter four, 
it says that that was the thing that kept Israel. Let's read it. I'll read it. I won't quote it to you. I'm going to read it to you so you won't believe I made this up. Because you might be saying, oh, he made this up. The Bible says this. This is what kept the children of Israel out. Let's see here. It's in Hebrews. Uh, bear with me. Bear with me. Bear with me. I believe it's in three. This is Hebrews. Okay, let's read in verse four. Let's read in chapter four. It says this. Hebrews chapter four says, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us keeps us from entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached and, and did not profit so he's saying unto us was the gospel preached as well as to them. So the gospel is preached to you and I, but it was also preached to um, who? It was also preached to the first church, to Israel. And it says here, but the word preach did not profit them. It did not profit them. Being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So what, what Paul is saying is that here is what God has done. He has, with his mighty right hand, pulled them out of, out of oppression. With a mighty right hand, did all kinds of signs and wonders and miracles. Here's their measure of faith that God has given them, because every man has been given a measure of faith. It did not move in God's favor. It just stayed here. Matter of fact, it didn't just stay there. It stayed for the Egyptians. How can I prove that? Because after God gets them out and gets them in the wilderness, what do they say to God? Oh, did you bring us out here in the wilderness so you could kill us? It was better for us where? In Egypt. Their default, their thing stayed in, their faith stayed with Egypt that Egypt was always going to be better, even though they were being oppressed, beat up, stepped on, they were their families were being killed, their hearts stayed here. It never moved boop, over to the Lord. You get what I'm saying? It stayed over here. It never moved. So all the things that God did, he just did. And then what? He gives them water. That still doesn't move it. He gives them uh, manna. Still doesn't move it. They complained about that. He gives them quail, still doesn't move. He takes them to the borderline and takes 12 uh, spies and send them over there, go spy the land out. They come back, two give a good report, the other 10 give a bad report, but it does not matter because their faith, their measure of faith they've been given never moved. It stayed here. So all they were were entitled children wanting God to do, 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 but they never believed. It never moved here. It never switched over. And they said, man, God has done this. It stayed here. And that's why they always wanted to go back to Egypt because their default was Egypt in their hearts. So the God showed the gospel. He showed them who he is. He, had, he showed them who he is. He didn't just tell them, he showed them. Moses spoke it, it happened. 
Moses spoke it, it happened. Moses spoke it, it happened. God didn't just come with words. He came with a demonstration of the spirit and none of that moved their hearts from Egypt. None of that was accounted for God being good, for God being great, for God being our defender, for God being righteous and true to his word. We just kept believing that Egypt was greater when God exposed Egypt and showed them that Egypt was nothing but a, nothing but a bully in, in, in some big man's clothes. And when you took the clothes off, it's just a little old man compared to God. But in their eyes, Egypt was everything because where your faith lies, that's what you're going to empower. You believe, if you believe that to be greater than God, doesn't matter what God does. It's sad because God comes to show you that the kingdom is here, but you're left without an excuse because God said, I showed you and you still didn't believe. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People of God, God's word is true whether we believe it or not. The just has to live by faith. And the Bible says here that because they didn't take what God did and their faith and mix it together, because then in that space you get an explosion. They never did. And the Bible says what? In verse, uh, in verse 2, verse 3 it says, For we which have believed do enter into a rest, as he has said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if thou shalt enter into the rest, although the works which were finished were from the foundations of the earth. What he was saying, basically he was saying there, those that believe entered into rest. Those that didn't believe didn't enter into no rest. The children of Israel, because they didn't believe God to be true, they thought those giants were a whole lot bigger. Well, it was, it was hard to believe that they believed the giants were greater. They still believed Egypt was greater than God. Because they never, it never moved. Their hearts never moved from Egypt. So they, so basically they believed the bad Egypt, the giants, and anything bad was greater than their God. And that's some of us, some, some of us. Some of us have been in that space that I, you believe the negative. You believe that's why we live in a world where the negative is pushed. We're so indoctrinated with what they show us on the media, on TV. You got more demonic movies that have ever on TV from from the seventies all the way up to now. They've been pushing that agenda to make the enemy so powerful in your eyes that that's greater than God. Why? Because there's not enough God movies to show who you are. But God don't need movies to show. He needs the church to stand up to move in power to show them God is here. But this world has been indoctrinating, indoctrinating. At the same token, they want you to believe that the devil doesn't exist too because they want to normalize him by putting it here. Oh, it's just a way of life. It's just part of life. No big deal. There's no spirit realm. Oh yeah, there is. Do you see what that's happening? And, and all that is got your mind believing that this is greater, but that same token, this really isn't, doesn't exist. It's not the way the Christians say it is. Well, then how is it then? Are you hearing what I'm saying, people? So then you and I got to break away from the world. You got to stop opening them doors. You got to shut the doors of that stuff. You got to get you got rid of that stuff out of you. 
We get rid of it through the word, fellowship in the word, prayer, fasting and praying. It all works together to unearth these things that have been planted in our soul. And this is why our faith is tainted or it's more led to believe this than this because we got stuff, scenarios on TV that are played out, that play out the way man views the world and man views things. And so we believe God's the same way. And so when we come to believe that, can this be better than what God, can this be different? We don't, we, we tend to believe it, it can't. We tend to believe that this is bigger. I know it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's some people will tell you, or, or this message is a tough message. It is, it is because it challenges us to live by faith. God is a good God. Your faith has to do, your faith activates those things. It brings about those things in your life. You can, if your, your, your unbelief, your lack of using your faith can keep you from entering into rest. If you choose not to believe in the Bible says that, that even the devil's believing, this is in James, James chapter three, even the devil's believing, but what? They don't obey him. Meaning, in other words, their belief doesn't cause them to respond in faith and put what they believe into action. We gotta be better than that. So, can the just live by faith? Will the just live by faith? That will be determined by us individually, whether we will choose to partner with God or not. But nevertheless, God's true, he's gonna be good, and he does have a plan, and his plan is better, his plan is a greater plan, than, than any of you could ever fathom in your mind. The question is, will you dare to believe God, even in the face of it looking ugly and looking crazy? Will you dare to believe God? Because he guarantees you to get you through the fire, through the water and bring you into a wealthy place. He guarantees if you stay in Thanksgiving, he will navigate you right in to where you're supposed to be. He is true to his word. So can we embrace what he say? Can we embrace him? Can we embrace him? Because as many as embrace him, the word who was made flesh, in exchange, we became him. We became the sons of God. So if I embrace the things that God is saying about my situation, those situations will become my reality. Because that's what happens when you embrace Jesus. Sonship becomes a reality. What God promised becomes a reality through faith. And it does take effort to stand in faith. It does. I, it's not, it ain't going to be like, oh, I stand in faith and, and it happens. There are times God have done things automatically for me. And I'm like, cool. All right. But this, and then when the go around went again, it wasn't the same. Why? Because those things that happened instantly were to get me to believe and get me to know that God is true to his word so that when I am required to walk some things out over time before I see the results, I would re always reflect back to the things he did quickly and know that, okay, if God answered these things quickly, then he can do this here. This is just requiring me 
to walk a little bit further because there's some things that need to be worked out because everything that God is bringing you into, he has to prepare you for it. It's already ready. He has to prepare you for it. By faith. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for what we've heard. I thank you for the word. I thank you for faith. I pray for every person where they are in this moment right now. I pray that every lie that they've partnered with, let it be exposed. Let it be exposed in the name of Jesus. For the for every for uh, for God be true and every man a lie. I pray that Lord, you would cause their faith to be active. You would cause them to dare to believe that you are greater, that they would go back to what you have done in their life and they would begin to say, wait a minute, I didn't give God his due on this. I truly believe he did this and I needed this to be done. Lord, that we would begin to take an evaluation of what you've done and then step and stand and believe that you are going to do it. It's of your mercy and your grace that you continue to be that good father to us. But we don't want to be unbelieving believers. We want, to be, we want to be believing believers that move in power, that are going to advance the kingdom, Lord, because we are destined for amazing things. We are destined for things that you have in your heart for each and every one of us to fulfill. That, Father, that we would dare to believe. We have given our faith to a lot of different things. Why not give it to you and allow you to show us what you can do? But Father, let us not be children who are entitled, who just wants a genie or a sugar daddy to come and take care. But Lord, we would treat you like our Lord and Savior, that we would treat you like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We would truly believe you are Lord of our lives and we truly believe that you are worthy of the praise. Father, I pray that you would shift their hearts shift their minds and awaken them, awaken them, awaken them, awaken them. Awaken them to who they are. And because of who they are, they've been given authority to execute, to advance. They've been given authority to get through when it would seem impossible because they are from you and you are love and your love not only cast out fear, but it conquers everything. And everything you are right now in this moment in heaven is who we are here on the earth. So I pray that their identity, I pray that affirmation from you would come. And I pray that as it comes from you, that they would believe that they're worthy to walk under what you're saying that they would not allow sin and their past to speak louder than what you are affirming them. That they would put their faith in you and know that you will make good on what is committed unto you. Father, I thank you today and we bless you and we magnify your names. And so Father, I, I even pray for hearts Hearts that have wounds that have been healed, that need to be healed. I pray that you said one of the things that you said in Isaiah 61 is that the spirit of the Lord not only preached the gospel to the poor, but that the spirit of God would come and overshadow the heart. 
and it would put back the, the fragmented pieces. It would heal their broken heart. It would heal the hearts that have been broken. But you are true. You are true. I pray for any resentment towards God. I pray that, Lord, that you would unpack and show them that their resentment against you is not valid because you cannot fail. You cannot fail. We as humans just don't understand why you do what you do, but it's only because to know what you do, we have to walk in fellowship as a friend. For a servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but we've been elevated from the place of servant to friend, to relational covenant relation because a friend knows what's on the father's heart. We are meant to know what's on your heart or even why you do what you do or why you allow the things you allow. We thank you and we praise you and we magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.